chapter six of pioneers of the old south by mary johnston this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six sir thomas dale in a rebuilded jamestown lord de la war of approved courage temper and experience held for a short interval dignified seigneurial sway while his restless associates had ventured far and wide sir george somers sailed back to the bermudas to gather a cargo of the wild swine of those woods but illness seized him there and he died among the beautiful islands that captain samuel argall who had traversed for the company the short road from the canaries took up smith's fallen mantle and carried on the work of exploration it was he who found and named for the lord governor delaware bay he went up the potomac and traded for corn rescued an english boy from the indians had brushes with the savages in the autumn back to england with a string of ships went that tried and tested seafarer christopher newport virginia wanted many things and chiefly that the virginia company should excuse defect and remember promise so gates sailed with newport to make true report and guide exertion six months passed and the lord governor himself fell ill and must home to england so away he too went and for seven years until his death ruled from that distance through a deputy governor de la war was a man of note and worth old privily counsellor of elizabeth and of james soldier in the low countries strong protestant and believer in england in america to-day his name is borne by a great river a great bay and by one of the united states in london the virginia company having listened to gates projected a fourth supply for the colony of those hundreds who had perished in virginia many had been true and intelligent men and again many perhaps had been hardly that but the virginia company was now determined to exercise for the future a discrimination it issued a broadside making known that it was sending a new supply of men and all necessary provision in a fleet of good ships under the conduct of sir thomas gates and sir thomas dale and that it was not intended any more to burden the action with vagrant and unnecessary persons but honest and industrious men as carpenters smiths coopers fishermen tanners shoemakers shipwrights brickmen gardeners husbandmen and labouring men of all sorts that shall be entertained for the voyage upon such terms as their quality and fitness shall deserve yet in spite of precautions some of the other sort continued to creep in with the sober and industrious master william crashaw in a sermon upon the virginia venture remarks that they who go be like for aught i see to those who are left behind even of all sorts better and worse this probably hits the mark the virginia company meant at last to have order in virginia 
to this effect a new office was created and a strong man was found to fill it gates remained de la war's deputy governor but sir thomas dale went as marshal of virginia the latter sailed in march sixteen eleven with three ships three hundred people twelve kine twenty goats and all things needful for the colony gates followed in may with other ships three hundred colonists and much cattle for the next few years dale becomes in effect ruler of virginia he did much for the colony and therefore in that far past that is not so distant either much for the united states a man of note and worth considering dale had seen many years of service in the low countries he was still in holland when the summons came to cross the ocean in the service of the virginia company on the recommendation of henry prince of wales the states-general of the united netherlands consented that captain thomas dale destined by the king of great britain to be employed in virginia in his majesty's service may absent himself from his company for the space of three years and that his said company shall remain meanwhile vacant to be resumed by him if he think proper this man had a soldier's way with him and an iron will for five years in virginia he exhibited a certain stern efficiency which was perhaps the best support and medicine that could have been devised at the end of that time leaving virginia he did not return to the dutch service but became admiral of the fleet of the english east india company thus passing from one huge historic mercantile company to another with six ships he sailed for india near java the english and the dutch having chosen to quarrel he had with a dutch fleet a cruel bloody fight later when peace was restored the east india company would have given him command of an allied fleet of english and dutch ships the objective being trade along the coast of malabar and an attempt to open commerce with the chinese but sir thomas dale was opening commerce with a vaster hidden land for at masulipatam he died whose valour says his epitaph having shined in the western was set in the eastern india but now in may time of sixteen eleven dale was in virginian waters by this day beside the main settlement of jamestown there were at cape henry and point comfort small forts garrisoned with meagre companies of men dale made pause at these setting matters in order and then proceeding up the river he came to jamestown and found the people gathered to receive him presently he writes home to the company a letter that gives a view of the place and its needs any number of things must be done requiring continuous and hard work as namely the reparation of the falling church and so of the storehouse a stable for our horses a munition house a powder house a new well for the amending of the most unwholesome water which the old afforded brick to be made a sturgeon house a blockhouse to be raised on the north side of our back river to prevent the indians from killing our cattle 
a house to be set up to lodge our cattle in the winter and hay to be appointed in his due time to be made a smith's forge to be perfected cask for our sturgeons to be made and besides private gardens for each man common gardens for hemp and flax and such other seeds and lastly a bridge to land our goods dry and safe upon for most of which i take present order dale would have agreed with dr watts that satan finds some mischief still for idle hands to do if we of the united states to-day will call to mind certain western small towns of some decades ago if we will review them as they are pictured in poem and novel and play we may receive as it were out of the tale of the eye an impression of some aspects of these western plantings of the seventeenth century the daredevil the bully the tenderfoot the gambler the gentleman desperado had their counterparts in virginia so had the cool indomitable sheriff and his dependable posse the friends generally of law and order dale may be viewed as the picturesque sheriff of this earlier age but it must be remembered that this virginia was of the seventeenth not of the nineteenth century and law had cruel and idiot faces as well as faces just and wise hitherto the colony possessed no written statutes the company now resolved to impose upon the wayward an iron restraint it fell to dale to enforce the regulations known as laws and orders divine politic and martial for the colony of virginia not english civil law simply but laws chiefly extracted out of the laws for governing the army in the low countries the first part of this code was compiled by william strachey the latter part is thought to have been the work of sir edward cecil sir thomas gates and dale himself approved and accepted by the virginia company ten years afterwards defending itself before a committee of parliament the company through its treasurer declared the necessity of such laws in some cases ad terrorem and in some to be truly executed seventeenth-century english law herself was terrible enough in all conscience but dale's laws went beyond offences ranged from failure to attend church and idleness to laissez majesté the penalties were gross cruel whippings imprisonment barbarous puttings to death the high marshal held the unruly down with a high hand but other factors than this draconian code worked at last toward order in this english west dale was no small statesman and he played ferment against ferment into virginia now first came private ownership of land so much was given to each colonist and care of this booty became to each a preoccupation the company at home sent out more and more settlers and more and more of the industrious peace-loving sort by sixteen twelve the english in america numbered about eight hundred dale projected another town and chose for its site the great horseshoe bend in the river a few miles below the falls of the far west at a spot we now call dutch gap here dale laid out a town which he named 
henricus after the prince of wales and for its citizens he drafted from jamestown three hundred persons to him also are due bermuda and shirley hundreds and dale's gift over on the eastern shore as the company sent over more colonists there began to show up and down the james though at far intervals cabins and clearings made by white men set about with a stockade and at the river edge a rude landing and a fastened boat the restless search for mines of gold and silver now slackened instead eyes turned for wealth to the kingdom of the plant and tree and to fur trade and fisheries those ships that brought colonists were in every instance expected to return to england laden with the commodities of virginia at first cargoes of precious ores were looked for these failing the company must take from virginia what lay at hand and what might be suited to english needs in sixteen ten the company issued a paper of instructions upon this subject of virginia commodities the daughter was expected to send to the mother country sassafras root bayberries pacoon sarsaparilla walnut chestnut and chinquapin oil wine silk grass beaver cod beaver and otter skins clapboard of oak and walnut tar pitch turpentine and powdered sturgeon it might seem that virginia was headed to become a land of fishers of foresters and vine dressers perhaps even when the gold should be at last discovered of miners at home the colonizing merchants and statesmen looked for some such thing in return for what she laid it into ships virginia was to receive english-made goods and to an especial degree woolen goods a very liberal utterance of our english cloths into a main country described to be bigger than all europe there was to be direct trade country kind for country kind and no specie to be taken out of england the promoters at home doubtless conceived a hardy and simple transatlantic folk of their own kindred planters for their own needs steady consumers of the plainer sort of english wares steady gatherers in return of necessaries for which england otherwise must trade after a costly fashion with lands which were not always friendly a simple sturdy laborious virginia white men and indians if this was their dream reality was soon to modify it a new commodity of unsuspected commercial value began now to be grown in garden plots along the james the weed par excellence tobacco that john rolfe who had been shipwrecked on the sea adventure was now a planter in virginia his child bermuda had died in infancy and his wife soon after their coming to jamestown rolfe remained a young man a good citizen and a christian and he loved tobacco on that trivial fact hinges an important chapter in the economic history of america in sixteen twelve rolfe planted tobacco in his own garden experimented with its culture and prophesied that the virginian weed would rank with the best spanish it was now a shorter plant smaller leafed and smaller flowered but time and skilful gardening would improve it england had known tobacco for thirty years owing its introduction to raleigh 
at first merely amused by the new world rarity england was now by general use turning a luxury into a necessity more and more she received through dutch and spanish ships tobacco from the indies among the english adventurers to virginia some already knew the uses of the weed others soon learned from the indians tobacco was perhaps not indigenous to virginia but had probably come through southern tribes who in turn had gained it from those who knew it in its tropical habitat now however tobacco was grown by all virginia indians and was regarded as the great spirit's best gift in the final happy hunting-ground kings werowances and priests enjoyed it for ever when in the time after the first landing the indians brought gifts to the adventurers as to beings from a superior sphere they offered tobacco as well as comestibles like deer meat and mulberries later in england and in virginia there was some suggestion that it might be cultivated among other commodities but the company not to be diverted from the paths to profits demanded from virginia necessities and not new-fangled luxuries nevertheless a little tobacco was sent over to england and then a little more and then a larger quantity in less than five years it had become a main export and from that time to this profoundly has it affected the life of virginia and indeed of the united states this then is the wide and general event with which john rolfe is connected but there is also a narrower personal happening that has pleased all these centuries indian difficulties yet abounded but dale administrator as well as man of mars wound his way skilfully through them all powhatan brooded to one side over there at werowocomoco captain samuel argall was again in virginia having brought over sixty-two colonists in his ship the treasurer a bold and restless man explorer no less than mariner he again went trading up the potomac and visited upon its banks the village of japazaws kinsman of powhatan here he found no less a personage than powhatan's daughter pocahontas an idea came into argall's active and somewhat unscrupulous brain he bribed japazaws with a mighty gleaming copper kettle and by that chief's connivance took pocahontas from the village above the potomac he brought her captive in his boat down the chesapeake to the mouth of the james and so up the river to jamestown here to be held hostage for an indian peace this was in sixteen thirteen pocahontas stayed by the james in the rude settler's town which may have seemed to the indian girl stately and wonderful enough here rolfe made her acquaintance here they talked together and here after some scruples on his part as to heatheness they were married he writes of her desire to be taught and instructed in the knowledge of god her capableness of understanding her aptness and willingness to receive any good impression and also the spiritual besides her own incitement stirring me up hereunto first she was baptized receiving the name rebecca and then she was married to rolfe in the flower-deck church at jamestown powhatan was not there but he sent young chiefs her brothers in his place rolfe had lands and cabins thereupon up the river near henricus he called this place varina the best spanish tobacco being varinas 
here he and pocahontas dwelled together civilly and lovingly when two years had passed the couple went with their infant son upon a visit to england there court and town and country flocked to see the indian princess after a time she and rolfe would go back to virginia but at gravesend before their ship sailed she was stricken with smallpox and died making a religious and godly end and there at gravesend she is buried her son thomas rolfe who was brought up in england returned at last to virginia and lived out his life there with his wife and children to-day no small host of americans have for ancestress the daughter of powhatan in england and america the immediate effect of the marriage was really to procure an indian peace outlasting pocahontas's brief life in dale's years there rises above the english horizon the cloud of new france the old disaster-haunted huguenot colony in florida was a thing of the past to be mourned for when the spaniard wiped it out for at that time england herself was not in america but now that she was established there with some hundreds of men in a virginia that stretched from spanish florida to nova scotia the french shadow seemed ominous and just in this farther region amid fir trees and snow upon the desolate bay of fundy the french for some years had been keeping the breath of life in a huddle of cabins named port royal more than this and later than the port royal building frenchmen jesuits at that were trying a settlement on an island now called mount desert off a coast now named maine the virginia company doubtless with some reference back to the king and privy council de la war gates the deputy governor and dale the high marshal appear to have been of one mind as to these french settlements up north there was still virginia in effect england hands off therefore all european people speaking with an un-english tongue now it happened about this time that captain samuel argall received a commission to go fishing and that he fished off that coast that is now the coast of maine and brought his ship to anchor by mount desert argall a swift and high-handed person fished on dry land he swept into his net the jesuits on mount desert set half of them in an open boat to meet with what ship they might and brought the other half captive to jamestown later he appeared before port royal where he burned the cabins slew the cattle and drove into the forest the settler frenchmen but port royal and the land about it called acadia though much hurt survived argall's fishing there was also in virginia in these days the shadow of spain in sixteen eleven the english had found upon the beach near point comfort three spaniards from a spanish caravel which as the englishmen had learned with alarm was fitted with a shallop necessary and proper to discover freshets rivers and creeks they took the three prisoner and applied for instructions to dale who held them to be spies and clapped them into prison at point comfort that dale's suspicions were correct is proved by a letter which the king of spain wrote in cipher to the spanish ambassador in london ordering him to confer with the king as to the liberty of three prisoners whom englishmen in virginia have captured the three are the alcade don diego de molino ensign marco antonio perez and francisco lembry an english pilot who by my orders went to reconnoitre those ports small wonder that dale was apprehensive what may be the danger of this unto us he wrote home who are here so few so weak and unfortified i refer me to your own honourable knowledge 
months pass and the english ambassador to spain writes from madrid that he is not hasty to advertise anything upon bare rumours which hath made me hitherto forbear to write what i had generally heard of their intents against virginia but now i have been advertised that without question they will speedily attempt against our plantation there and that it is a thing resolved of that ye king of spain must run any hazard with england rather than permit ye english to settle there whatsoever is attempted i conceive will be from ye havana rumours fly back and forth the next year sixteen thirteen the ambassador writes from madrid they have lately had several consultations about our plantation in virginia the resolution is that it must be removed but they think it fit to suspend the execution of it for that they are in hope that it will fall of itself the spanish hope seemed at this time not at all without foundation members of the virginia company had formed the summers islands company named for summers the admiral and had planted a small colony in bermuda where the sea adventure had been wrecked here were fair fertile islands without indians and without the diseases that seemed to rise no man knew how from the marshes along those lower reaches of the great river james in virginia young though it was the new plantation prospereth better than that of virginia and giveth greater encouragement to prosecute it in england there arose from some concerned the cry to give up virginia that has proved a project awry as gates was once about to remove thence every living man so truly they might be now removed to these more hopeful islands the spanish ambassador is found writing to the spanish king thus they are here discouraged on account of the heavy expenses they have incurred and the disappointment that there is no passage from there to the south sea nor mines of gold or silver this be it noted was before tobacco was discovered to be an economic treasure the elizabeth from london reached virginia in may sixteen thirteen it brought to the colony news of bermuda and incidentally of that new notion brewing in the mind of some of the company when the elizabeth after a month in virginia turned homeward she carried a vigorous letter from dale the high marshal to sir thomas smith treasurer of the company let me tell you all at home writes dale this one thing and i pray remember it if you give over this country and lose it you with your wisdoms will leap such a gudgeon as our state hath not done the like since they lost the kingdom of france be not galled with the clamorous report of base people believe caleb and joshua if the glory of god have no power with them and the conversion of these poor infidels yet let the rich mammons desire egg them on to inhabit these countries i protest to you by the faith of an honest man the more i range the country the more i admire it i have seen the best countries in europe i protest to you before the living god put them all together this country will be equivalent unto them if it be inhabited with good people if ever mother england seriously thought of moving virginia into bermuda the idea was now given over spain suspending the sword until virginia will fall of itself saw that sword rust away five years in all dale ruled virginia then personal and family matters calling he sailed away home to england to return no more soon his star having shined in the western was set in the eastern india at the helm in virginia he left george yardley an honest able man but in england what was known as the court party in the company 
managed to have chosen instead for de la war's deputy governor captain samuel argall it proved an unfortunate choice argall a capable and daring buccaneer fastened on virginia as on a spanish galleon for a year he ruled in his own interest plundering and terrorizing at last the outcry against him grew so loud that it had to be listened to across the atlantic lord de la war was sent out in person to deal with matters but died on the way and captain yardley now knighted and appointed governor was instructed to proceed against the incorrigible argall but argall had already departed to face his accusers in england End of chapter six